iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times, now with goals. Hello and welcome to The Game, the day after the Transfer Deadline Day special. This is the football podcast from The Times. Uh, you can also check out the ultimate transfer guide at thetimes.co.uk with the latest news on every club's dealings. I'm Max Rushton, in for Gab. I've got a really good feeling about this podcast. Uh, you may remember me from an historic The Times, The Game podcast some time ago. I forget when. Uh, the highlight of which was waiting to see if Matt Hughes, who was on the phone, would make it to the Arsenal training ground before the pod finished. He did, and apologies for ruining that if you were going to go and find it and listen back. Uh, today, Pellegrini out, Pep in. He must be hoping they don't win the quadruple. No fairy tale for John Terry. He's off somewhere. Uh, Stoke and Everton play a lot of money for people. We'll explain who they are. And Sido Berrihino didn't go anywhere, but still got a lot of airtime. Oliver Kay is on the phone. How are you, Oliver? I'm very good, thank you. Where are you? I'm at my home in, um, in, a, in a secret um, secret location oh. in, uh, in the hills of West Yorkshire. Oh, I see. You can't divulge exactly where you are because of the haters, uh, is that yeah, exactly. The haters and the lovers. The lovers are more of a worry. Yeah, absolutely. And are you uh, are you looking out on the dales? I'm looking out into my back garden actually, which is which is a bit Danish, but um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's a lovely day. I, I, as a matter of routine, I did actually say I'm very well. I've actually got a cold, and that's, um, okay. that explains why I'm going to be sounding a bit um, bunged up. Uh, do you have a lozenge or or anything to help you with that? My lovely wife yeah. has just made me some kind of uh, remedy, which um, she said she's not going to tell me what's in it, but she asked whether I was driving anywhere before, um, driving anywhere this morning, so I suspect there's a large amount of brandy, so I may, maybe I'll get quite kiddy as the thing goes Brilliant. On. But, uh, it's, but it's honey, there's ginger, it's very nice. Oh, well, thank well, you. it to, does any good, I don't know. Thank you to Mrs. K from all the listeners <laughs> yeah. uh, to the game, and Oliver will be high as a kite by the end. Uh, James Scowcroft <laughs> is in the studio. Hello, James. Hello. Life good with you? Very good, thank you. Yourself? I'm pleased, yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. Uh, And, you know, and basically the nicest man, the greatest man in the history of the world. The beautiful, almost as beautiful as Gilby Sigurdsson, Julien Laurent is here. Hello, Julien. Bonjour, Max. It's lovely to see you. You too. Uh, You're French? Yes. So uh, at some point, I'll ask you to explain why Stephen Fletcher's gone to Marseille. I'll try. So this uh, uh, this is being sold as the big transfer deadline day special, uh, but we we should probably start with the fact that Pep Guardiola is going to Manchester City because that seems more interesting than the transfers. Julian, right decision? Yes, I mean, it was the worst kept secret in football, to be fair, and probably the history of the game as well. It's obviously an incredible thing, I think, for Manchester City, for the club, the fans, the players, the squads, to be able to have someone like that. Are the manager, arguably the best manager at the moment, 
you know, in, in, in football, one of the best ever for sure as well. And I think he's going to be great. I think he's, you know, whether he wins or not, I, I think Pep Guardiola brings far much more than just success or trophies. I think it's a, it's a complete different philosophy, it's something quite unique, I believe, from the players who've been coached by him and I think it's going to be just a great experience for how long it lasts whether that's three years or a bit more for now he's signed for three years like he did with Bayern Munich for example so he might not last more than that but I think it's going to be incredible an incredible journey for the club and everybody associated to the club for, for as long as he's there James you're nodding totally agree with Max I think in Manchester City's history the last eight years it's probably their, their biggest signing um, certainly the most poignant signing I think and I think he will uh, you know, Pellegrini's a good man and he's done okay as a manager. Mancini was, was okay, but I think now they have a, a top world-class manager, which which they haven't had in their eight-year history. And I think he'll take them on to the next uh, the next level, really. If you, if you look at the players, Aguero's, Yaya Torres, I just think he'll get more out of them. I think, first of all, he'll get more respect because of where he's come from, what he's done in the game, the players he's managed. You know, he, he's he's proven manager for better players than what Man City have got. And I think as a player, you'd always look at that and you'd always you'd always respect that he's, you know, coached the Messies and and the superstars in the game, really. And I think if if they get some good transfers in as well, which I'm sure they'll go for as well, I think it could be onimous for uh, English football in the next five years. Oliver Kay. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, at, at risk of agreeing and, uh, and making all of us for loving, yeah, I, I think he's absolutely fantastic. I know people... Um, People will say, "Oh, he hasn't done it in the Premier League yet." I, I think he's absolute genius. I think he, I think City with Pellegrini are the strongest team in the Premier in the Premier League, or should be the strongest team in the Premier League. But they've been coasting; they've been on autopilot. You could say they've been underperforming for for the last five years. I know they've won trophies, but I think they could have done a lot more. And Guardiola strikes me, and has always struck me as the guy who can take them out of that comfort zone, who can challenge them, who can take them to new heights, and get them playing not just not just for 15 minutes a game and, and being good enough to be to win most weeks but being utterly dominant and I, I really think with that squad that he will inherit and with you know, one or two sensible additions I really do think it, it, it's scary for the rest of the Premier League I think it's wonderful for Manchester City I think it's wonderful the idea of having a, a Guardiola led Manchester City but it's uh, you know I, I think it'd be worrying for the rest of the Premier League I don't know how others will respond for very Premier League centric types, what type of manager is Pep? What formation does he play? What style of football is it? Um, it's, it's a very attractive offensive football for sure. For example, the last game uh, with Bayern Munich on Sunday, he played with five forwards, which I believe is the only one right now in the world to be able just to play the five. With, just the five. And I know he was at home against Offenheim, so you know when bigger tests comes, he, he won't play with so many forwards but I think he shows you what kind of manager he is and they, they, they won 2 nil, but they could have probably won 10 easily Lewandowski scored 2 on Sunday he's, he's offensive it's not just about the tiki-taka because the, 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 however great football Barcelona produced on the pep he's Bayern Munich at the moment plays a completely different, different way yes they have a lot of possession but it's not the same sort of possession than Barcelona had on the pep in those years yeah. Has he been a success at Bayern Munich? I think he's, he's been an OK success because he's won the league with the best squad in, you know, in Germany. But me and you could win the league with Bayern Munich. Probably we? Max. What a great Marshall, managerial Max team. Second. Max will finish Scowcroft second. Scowcroft and Laurent. Max oh, will finish that. second. <laughs> but but it's all about the Champions League. And if he doesn't win the Champions League this year, which we will we will find out soon, I think it would be seen as it was good. But because I think again he changed the whole philosophy, the whole mentality, and everything there. 
But in terms of success... But you see, you say you changed the, the philosophy. They won the treble the season before he yeah. came in. They won the European Cup. He's got nowhere near winning the European Cup. He's been absolutely destroyed in, in the, the semi-final yeah. by his philosophy and tic-a-tac-a, whatever you want to call it. So as he, you know... Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I agree with you. I just think it's a unique experience, whether that brings you the Champions League or not. And, and if, if in three years at Bayern Munich he, he doesn't win it, then it would be a disappointment, I think, for the club and for him as well. I just think the, the Guardiola experience is far much bigger than just winning the Champions League or just winning trophies. Because the, the problem he's going to find in the Premier League, there's a, there's a lot of teams at the moment, Watford's, your Crystal Palace, your Stoke, who are having a lot of success playing counter-attacking football. And they, 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 they are at their best when they're playing against these tick-attacker that are expansive. One full-back is high and wide and almost out of the ground because he's, he's so, and then the other forward, blah, blah, blah. And they're leaving spaces at the back. And these clubs are doing so well at the moment by doing that. So mm. it'd be different. You know, in, in, I don't think in Germany they really have the same quality mid-table, lower down. Certainly in Spain they haven't. So it'd be interesting to see if his style actually does work in the Premier League. Oliver? I, I, I think that the, the thing with Guardiola is, as, as Julian said, he will adapt. I mean, he's not somebody who, who is so wedded to a, a philosophy that, you know, he, I mean, he hasn't gone to, to Bayern and played the, the same sort of 4 3 3 False nine type of uh, four six naught um, formation that he, that he played at, at Barcelona, but also you know when when, when people say when, I, mean, I, I, I you know I know what Jamie's saying about the um, the points about them having fallen well short in the Champions League, but won the Champions League in 2013 under under Heinkes, and you know that that was a brilliant team. That was the best the most successful year in their history, but that was also a year when Real Madrid were in a state of implosion under Mourinho in his final season there, when Guardiola had left Barcelona and they were in a, a, a state of flux. And it's hard to say, I mean, it's hard to make a convincing case that, that Bayern have gone backwards under Guardiola. I mean, I, I know you can look at the Champions League results and say they have, but I, I think he's, he's taken a, a situation where it was the impossible English football to, teams were stronger then, Ollie, than what they were now. I don't know. Chelsea, what, Chelsea and Manchester United were a lot, lot stronger then than what they are now. Manchester United are, yeah. Manchester United were, but I, I don't think the, the, the overall level has gone up. You know, greatly over that since 2012-13. I, I think that that was part of the period when um, English teams were underperforming in Europe as well. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I just I thought he United. was naive last year against Bar- uh, Barcelona in the semi, trying to take him on at the. Uh... He'll also be. He, he'll always be naive in a certain, uh, certain yeah. respect because he, he will his ideology is, is you know I, you know I will get our players to play football against you and dominate you and 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 we will you know and, and we will destroy you. And there's a lot of self-belief, doesn't he? There is a lot of self-belief. What about comparisons uh, to to Jurgen Klopp? I mean, Klopp sort of said, don't expect an easy ride. As you were sort of mentioning, James, the Premier League is a a difficult league to play in. But clearly, he's inheriting a much better squad than Jurgen Klopp has. All day long. Yeah. But again, it's... Jurgen Klopp hasn't got to win the league. That's not his expectation. You know, I think Guardiola, and I think probably the worst thing that would happen if if Man City did win the league this year, maybe if if they had success in the in the Champions League, similar to Bayern Munich, and all of a sudden, you know, where does he take him? I, I'm sure he'll be fantastic for Man City. Uh, you know, he, he has a fantastic aura about him. It's interesting because he did a uh, coaching conference not so long ago, and there's a lot of people went trying to look into this, you know, his training philosophies, his ideas he had, and for all he did for 45 minutes was talk about work ethic. 
which you need. If you're going to be any kind of coach, you need to get a work ethic into your players. And I think if you look at Man City over the years, even the two, the, the, the couple of league titles they've won, Manchester United threw it away, realistically, one, one year and City won. Liverpool should have won it, but Man City come through. If he can put a work ethic into the current side and then they add players, I think they'll be, uh, I think they'll be very hard to catch. How much sympathy do we have for Pellegrini? Pellegrini had known from the moment he arrived that he wasn't first choice, that he was almost keeping a seat warm for, for Guardiola if they could get him. And he, he's accepted that. And um, I think in, in some ways that has been apparent because, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like he's ever had a really, really strong grip on a City team. I, I, I used the phrase autopilot earlier. And I, and I agree with what Tim was saying. That they're not a team who ever sort of outrun or outwork or, or look more organised than the opposition. They very often win because they've got better players. I, I don't know how much, you know, I, I would say Pellegrini has been, you know, a, a, a modest success in, in, in the Premier League because he's, he's, he's won a title with the, you know, by far, in my opinion, by far the strongest squad over the last three years. He might win a second in three seasons this season, but let's see how he does in the Champions League. I, I, I've, I've always been disappointed by City in the, in the Champions League and in, in the big matches against um, top opposition. And what happens to Manchester City this season? Do they are they now all under pressure to impress Guardiola, or do they implode because they know Pellegrini's not going to be there? Julian Laurent. I think it's it's tricky. I really think it's tricky to announce halfway through the season who your next manager is going to be, and that your current manager is out of the door. And and I, I don't know what kind of effect that can have. And you know, do the players think like, oh, the Pellegrini start thinking like, well. Sod it, you know, I don't care now anymore because I'm, I'm, I'm leaving in June. I'm going to find a new club with a new project where people will believe in me more than they did at City because clearly, and I agree with Oli what he said, he never really felt that it was his club, you know, that it was the bench, that was his team and everything because he knew that Pep would come at some point. So, uh, and it could have been earlier as well, by the way. So um, there's a bit of that. Maybe, maybe Pellegrini would think like, well, I don't care anymore. Maybe the players would think, well, he's, he's not going to be there next season. So... You know, yeah, let's let's try to win the league, but we're not here to impress them. I'm, I'm just not sure what kind of dynamic that would bring. James? Okay, let, 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 let me ask a question. Um, what um, I mean, do you expect the same effect at, at Bayern? Yeah. Because I don't. Yeah, do and you? I think. Yeah, because and I think. I think. Look Tom, at what Bayern did under Heinkes. Yeah, but ago. yeah, but that was that was later in the season to start with. Mm. No, it was and January. It was January. It was January, but I, I yeah. don't know. I just think. I don't know. I saw Thomas Müller's quote the other day, or Manuel Neuer in in L'Equipe on Sunday, saying like, "Well, you know, this is not good news that Pep is leaving. It's not. I'm, I'm just not sure the timing. I, I just don't think whether that whether it works after or not. I'm, I'm mm. just not sure if the timing is 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 right. And also, if there was not a better way to do it, I think mm. there's a couple of ways to look at it, isn't there? There, there? there could be less pressure now on the players on Pep. You know, there's not that intensity. Well, he's off, so." And is that one sort of thinking, well, there'll probably be somebody else now, I've got to prove myself again. There's, there's nothing worse as a player than a new manager coming in and starting all over again. You have to, whether you're an established player or you're a fringe player, all of a sudden the slate is wiped clean and you have to roll your sleeves up and uh, and give it a good go. So I, I think it'll work at either team. The interesting bit will be if they draw each other in a Champions League I think mm. that'd be fascinating that that'd be a great press conference <laughs> also yeah, well fascinating for Pep as well he must be is Pep sitting there hoping that Manchester City you know implode as well because he doesn't want them to they can win everything can't they for yeah. he, he might not want to repeat the situation he inherited at, at Dortmund uh, sorry, at, uh, at Munich where they um, where he took over a team that had just won the quadruple or whatever it was but it's it's my point would be that 
you you would have those concerns about City's players. You'd have that concern about City's squad because I think, you know, up to now, I think they've underperformed and they haven't really needed much excuse to sort of ease off a bit in games and, and in general. And you look at Bayern Munich and you think, well, I don't see those players, their players, falling into that trap. And I think in England and maybe it's sort of English football culture or maybe it's the, the media narrative around it, maybe it, it becomes more of an excuse. Maybe Maybe the sort of super concentration of, of focus of, of the of the German players is greater but you know maybe City's players will um, prove me wrong and, and win the treble or something quadruple again yeah. that word quadruple yeah and, and also my point earlier about what happened with Hankus and Guardiola Guardiola didn't have a job at the time Guardiola mm. now will prepare next season at City while still being at Bayern Munich you can't sign Robert Lewandowski by starting negotiating in June when you when your contract at City has started, if you want to sign Lewandowski or anyone else of that calibre, you need to start now almost, which means that Guardiola will already be thinking about who I'm going to put in my squad at Manchester City next season, while the current season where he's at Bayern Munich is still six months or five months away from the end. And I'm just, I, just, I just don't know how that works. How can Guardiola prepare next season with City already now? Because that's what you have to do. You have to plan ahead you know, so early and also focus on the end of the season with, you know, with Bayern Munich. What would happen if they drew each other in the Champions League and someone like Philip Lamb injured Sergio Aguero and he was out for nine months? How's, how's he going to feel afterwards? <laughs> <laughs> You've killed me there. <laughs> That's He'll just pick the softest 11. For He'll play 11 strikers. When he said, uh, do, do we know who's going to get the Bayern job, Julian? Yeah. Pellegrini. Uh, uh, Ancelotti. No, no, Ancelotti. No, They've announced Ancelotti all, as well. Um, but again, Ancelotti is out of a job, so he's got plenty of time to sure. think about next season, to get his squad, the players he wants out, the players he wants in. Which is obviously far more easier than far more easy, sorry, than someone like Pep who will have basically two jobs on his hand. Almost. God, it's a merry-go-round you want to be on, isn't it? You're just that top club merry-go-round manager where you get two hundred grand a week and you know just wander about between the between the few of them. You've written a good. It's that easy, by the way. Uh, you've written a good piece, Oliver, uh, uh, about what this means for Manchester United because uh, they, you know, their, their fans will be looking at Guardiola coming over there, looking at how miserable uh, LVG is, and and panicking over whether they should get Mourinho or not. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd, I would say this, you know, they're, they're, you know, among Manchester United fans, there, there are those who think they should be rushing after Mourinho and there are those who think that, that almost anyone but Mourinho, apart from Wise, perhaps. If you look at the situation now, with Guardiola sort of coming in across the city, I mean, maybe that raises the stakes, maybe that sort of forces United fans and, more importantly, the board to sort of look over what reservations they, they might have had about Mourinho. I mean, I've, I've always thought, on principle, almost, that United should be looking for a different type of manager to Mourinho. Not not, not because of the sort of controversy, but because of the, the, you know, because he doesn't play Manchester United-style football in the same way that Van Gaal doesn't play Manchester United-style football. And because he doesn't, you know, go with youth. He, he's, he's a different type of manager. He's a, um, so... I've always had that reservation about about Mourinho and United, and I, and I still have it. I think the last three years have, have only reinforced that. But United circumstances have changed, haven't they? They, they are now desperate, or I suspect they will be unless Van Gaal can turn things around dramatically between now and May. I think there's Manchester United and Chelsea both looking for someone. I think will Spurs fans be terrified that Pochettino will be lured by one of those two sides? I think they should. Because I think Pochettino will be, although again he's a he's a different style of manager than than Pep, for example. But you know, in terms of youth, exactly what Oli was just saying, in terms of 
you know, the way he plays, although it's not so much an, an attacking football like United have been used to it. It's, it's more, you know, at times... A, um, but I, th- I think this attacking kind of... Pressing that yeah, kind of Yeah, that was 10 yeah. years ago. The, the game's moved on now. It, it's 4-2-3-1. It, it's a lot of get behind the ball, we'll have possession in our own half. Having 4-4-2 and wingers that are going to attack down one flank and get crosses in and that kind of attacking, I, I think that's gone. I think we're entering a new era now where it's it's more of a tactical game. It's probably a little bit more physical now. And, and who can cancel each other out and have that little bit of a gem in the final third? Oliver, What's incredible to... though, sorry, is yeah, that okay. Manchester United haven't bought anyone in January, which I find that baffling considering the uh, the flows they have in their squad. And it's, uh, it's quite obvious, I think Oli surely would agree with me, that it's quite obvious to see that they have big holes in their you know, teams in what they need to, to mm. finish you know, top four for sure, or even higher than that. And for them, for a club like United to just don't bring anyone in, in such a crucial, I think, transfer window could have been for the club, I just find that baffling. Oliver, can I press you to start with? Who do you think will be the manager of Manchester United and Chelsea next season? I, mean, I think I think the easy answer on, on United is, is is perhaps Mourinho. I think you know if you were saying bookmakers favourite, but I know there are certain rev- um, reservations within the club, and um, it's just a case of whether they end up feeling that they have to go with him despite those reservations. I, I suspect they would because I don't think football philosophy is, is particularly high on the uh, the Glazers' list of uh, priorities for a, for a new manager. And Chelsea, um, I would say perhaps well one of three. Conte, um, Allegri, and Simeone. Uh, Simeone for Chelsea and and uh, Mourinho for for United. I think Giggs will get the United job. You think Giggs will? Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Giggs versus Guardiola's. I mean, that's fascinating. Voiceover describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. Voiceover on settings, so you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar. Double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Think of the first Manchester derby. That is pressure on gigs, isn't it? <laughs> we should mention someone who won't be at Chelsea next season. That's John Terry, because we haven't had a podcast since that happened. Oliver, I think I saw you tweeting that you were very surprised about the timing of that uh, coming out. Less surprised by the timing, more, I mean, I suppose, you, you know, you look at it from John, John Terry's point of view, and, it, and it's quite clear that, you know, the, the, the timing was, was quite tactical. I think he, he, he had a meeting last week and, and, and wanted it out there, um, either to force the club's hand or, or to attract um, 
you know, other offers and interest from elsewhere. I mean, I suspect his priority, I'm told his priority is, is to stay at Chelsea and that he really wants to. But it does remind me a lot of the Frank Lampard situation three years ago where Chelsea were between managers, interim manager, you could say every Chelsea manager is an interim manager. But, it, you know, they, they made a, a, a judgment call on Lampard in December 2012 saying, we don't want you, when they didn't even know who the manager was going to be the next season. That's what they've done again with Terry. In the Lampard case, they ended up rowing back and offering him a contract, and he stayed for another year, and that worked out well. And you could have argued that you know they should have kept him another year after that. But with, with Terry, is there scope for a U-turn again? Yes, I suspect there is. But um, speaking to people close to to, um, to Terry, I, I think um, I think he feels it's uh, it's the end. Paul Hayward's written a piece in the the Telegraph. If we're allowed to mention them, no, so, no, of course. So he's written somewhere, just in the ether. <laughs> it just appeared, saying that this is a it's a political decision as much as a footballing decision. That that finally he, John Terry's lost his political power to decide who's the manager of Chelsea Football Club is. What they've got to be careful of, Chelsea, like John Terry's going to come to an end at some stage, is if you look at the the characters that they've had in the dressing room, Czech, Lampard, Drogba, you know, Terry being a big one, the, if Terry goes, that, that has gone. I don't really see the leaders in the Chelsea dressing room. And I think certainly they've missed those those characters. And I think if you look at Ferguson, what he did at United, I, I don't think he got rid of any of the, the class of 92. It was literally, it was down to them when they wanted to retire because he saw the worth that they could provide you know, just just keeping a lid on everything in the change room. If there was any, you know, big time Charlies or something, the John Terry's or the Lampards could put a lid on all of that. Who was the biggest time Charlie you ever played with? <sighs> I'll c- come back to me on that. Frank Yallop. Frank Lamp. <laughs> Frank Yallop was a very very good, um, a very funny man. Was he? Who's a very good coach manager now in America. Okay, so it wasn't Frank. No, it Craig wasn't Frank. Forrest. Craig Forrest was a charming bloke, very good goalkeeper. And I think he's in America now or Canada. Really struggling. Have you got your Ipswich book of Canadians? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's there's one thing I'm, I did a PhD actually on a Canadian footballers uh, in English at, football. At Ipswich. Yeah, at Ipswich. Well, Carlo Corazin I include as well. Uh, we're 25 minutes into our deadline day podcast, so let's mention deadline day. Uh, it was uh, apparently it was a quiet window, but the Premier League still spent 175 million pounds. No one in the top eight signed anyone on transfer deadline day. Stoke made the most expensive signing. Porto's Gianelli Imbula, uh, 18.3 million pounds. I confess to not being an expert. He's not Canadian, so why would no, I know about exactly. him? Exactly. Uh, Julien, exactly. I'm staring at you. And yes. I'm, I'm, how do you? Sorry, how do you know about Frank Yallop and these? I was just scrolling. Era? No, I was just scrolling through my Panini sticker albums in my head and trying to work out who played with you at that time. And no, I was pretty proud that I came time. up with two. Were they before yeah, your yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that really? was when Ipswich and Cambridge used to go head-to-head, wasn't it? They did. Those were the days. Now we're talking. Cambridge right. actually come to Portman Road. 2-1, one, Steve Claridge. Yeah, yeah. And went top of the league. Yeah, I was there. I thought we'd get to the Premier League that year. We got to the playoffs. And it's and, and this is very interesting. Who scored the first goal for Cambridge? Claridge <sighs> no. got the second. Who got the first? I thought he was a big Dion? fan. Dion? John Taylor? No. Uh, Cheatham, Philpot. No, Richard How come Wilkins. You remember no. that? Neil Heaney. I was at the game as well. Uh, God, he's, God. You're a fake fan of Cambridge. Uh, Gary Rowett. You're a fake fan. Gary Rowett, was it? Yeah. See, that's not bad, is it? I'll pull that out eventually. Yes, I'm a plastic <laughs> Yeah, I'm after a, like I'm, 10 names. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a plastic fan. <laughs> when, we, when we got drawn against Manchester United in the, in the FA, and I play Saturday, so I don't go to too many games, the amount of people calling me a glory hunter. And you're like, <laughs> if you're going to be a glory hunter, you've got to be so stupid to pick Cambridge United, really. I mean, there are just more teams with more glory. Anyway, less interestingly, Gianelli Imbula. 
Julien, um, tell me all about him. Yes, he's French, so obviously I know him well. Um, <laughs> the first like thing, the first thing. <laughs> is there a Frenchman you don't know? No, no, no. But the first thing, that, I mean, the, the crazy thing is that he's had six terrible months at uh, Porto, who bought who bought him from Marseille in the summer for 15 million. And yet, after six terrible months, Stoke City still paid an extra 3.2 million pounds to Porto to buy him. So more than when he was actually good when Porto signed him. He had a good season with Marcel and the Marcelo Bielsa. They signed him and then they still ma- Porto still managed to sell him for more money than they bought him after six dreadful months. I just find, find, find this incredible. So I hope for, for Stoke City and for their fans, for everybody at the club, that, he's actually, that they have signed the Imbula from Marseille, not the Imbula from Porto. And even the Imbula from Marseille, who's a very good box-to-box player, he's, he's got a big engine, he's, I think he's very good technically for a midfielder. But he had that tendency of losing the ball in, in key part of the pitch, in key moments, in games. Um, it's, a, a, it's a real trait you want. In but no, no, but I'm, I'm just being honest with, with Stoke fans. It's just that he still has a lot to learn and a lot to improve. And I just think it's a lot of money for, uh, for, for a player like him. Staggering amount of money. Uh, you, I mean, you mentioned Marseille there. Why don't, why don't we mention Stephen Fletcher going from Sunderland? I'm looking at that going, what are Sunderland doing? Surely Sunderland need Stephen Fletcher, don't they? There's, really? Don't you think? What? If they need him for what? Well, because they goals. score some yeah? good, you know, I mean, he really? doesn't, okay, doesn't score that many, but he's a good, <laughs> good centre forward. And they don't have that man. I get Defoe's doing okay, but I think it was strange for Sunderland to lose one of their centre forwards. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I mean, on the, I'm not so sure about Sunderland, why, why they loaned him, but for Marseille, they, they tried every single striker in Europe, well, <laughs> that kind of striker in Europe. I mean, Scrocroft was next on the list. <laughs> really? It was just, if Fletcher said no, Scrocroft would be at Marseille right now. You know, but it's just so Fletcher. I don't know. His first game will be the the classic, the the derby between P, between Marseille and PhD on Sunday at the Velodrome. As it's it a derby be, when they're six hundred miles apart. It's still a derby because it's a hell of a game. That's why. Uh, right. Fletcher Real, versus Ibrahimovic. Real Madrid, Real Madrid, Barcelona is a, is a derby, but you know they're, they're not in the same city, so it happens sometimes. Anyway, I'm just I'm just not sure. I, I don't know. It's going to be crazy to see him, you know, in Marseille, and, and I hope for Marseille he does well because they, they need someone else up front. Behind, he's not first choice. Michi Batshuayi, the very promising young Belgian striker, international. He's the number one, so he's there as a backup. Sort of. So we see what he does there. But I mean, it's great life for him. Trust me, Sunderland compared to Marseille, it's just woo. <laughs> he just a, a won the lottery, man. A former teammate of mine went to Marseille. Chris Makin. Remember Chris? I Macon? remember Chris Macon. Yes. Yeah, he went to Marseille for a year. So it's like the best year of his life. Oh, it's it's, it's just crazy. And then Bandol, just for that, is? yeah, our Bandol is lovely. Aix en Provence, all of that. So just for that, I mean, I think Fletcher did right for him and his family. Uh, who would like to comment on Umar Niasse from who? Locomotive Moscow, who's gone to Everton for thirteen and a half million pounds? Does anybody have any intel <laughs> on this chat? Oli, it's your turn. Oh God! Well, I, I can't claim to be um, to have been watching Locomotive Moscow um, every week, particularly over oh, over Christmas as well. The league shuts down, so I've not seen it much recently. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of these big money signings come from from you know players who've been imported to Russia and Ukraine, and a lot of them don't do very well in um, in England. And I, I know um, Everton aren't in a situation where they had to do anything desperately, so I'm guessing. They have thought it through. They've they've looked at it. They've they've looked at the market and, and and think it's a good deal. The noises coming out of Everton were very positive. There's a suggestion that you know he's somebody who could step up and into Lukaku's shoes um, if Lukaku is sold. Not not a suggestion from within the club, 
by the way, over the summer. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's one of those way where you look at it and think, well, you you could um, criticise Newcastle for spending 12 million on on John Joe Shelby, but it's more of a risk, perhaps, to to to, to buy someone like Niasse from 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 Lokomotiv Moscow. Obviously, it would seem that he has a higher upside and greater potential, but I guess there's also greater potential for um, for failure. The, uh, the last player that Everton signed from from Lokomotiv Moscow was Biliatedinov, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He looked good. He looked great with Lokomotiv, and he never looked that good for Everton. So I'm just not sure. I wouldn't have gone back to Lokomotiv Moscow for, for for spending that much money as well. And you can't generalize quite, like that. No, but Biliatedinov was quite expensive. Well, you know, in a way, it was quite expensive at the time he signed. So <clears> it's just it's tricky, I think. James. Uh, Ollie mentioned Newcastle there. That's that's quite a sensible window, isn't it? Shelby and very good. Yeah, I think Shelby and Townsend are two good signings. Two, they've had too many foreign players in the team over the years. I think uh, even Steve McLaren has admitted that they've got two good standard Premier League players. You know, I think Townsend's a good buy at twelve million. He's, he's you know he's an in England international still. You know, not not terribly old either. Can be exciting on his day. Can you know? I, I think he'll be. A Do you reckon bit, he'll cut back? Shoots left foot, <laughs> and I think John Joe Shelby is a good signing for them as well. So I, I think two very sensible signings for Newcastle. They tried to get Berahino, and they offered, as far as we understand, was it twenty-one million cash for Berahino? West Brom not doing anything. How do we feel about? I sort of feel Sido Berahino. Yes, he made a mistake the last time he sent that tweet out, but actually, is this is this fair on him, or do we should we feel no sympathy for Sido Berahino, Oliver? I would say, generally speaking, it's fair to keep a player against his wishes, maybe maybe for one window and just see how it goes. But but Berahino, you know, has had an awfully frustrating time since then. He's not, you know, it seems like Tony Pulis doesn't want to pick him because of these reservations about his attitude and so on. And I I assumed they they would sell him. It didn't seem like there was much point in in keeping him unless there's going to be a, a an effort to um, reintegrate him in, 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 into the team. And I just wonder that you know it might be slightly counterproductive to keep him against his wishes again unless that obviously they needed to be able to replace him if they were going to um if they were going to um sell him and maybe they didn't leave themselves enough time to do that given how close the premier league is this season and given it's potentially the one chance for leicester and perhaps even spurs to win it um and a decent chance for arsenal to win it are you surprised that none of those teams really did anything James yes and no I, I think all teams would have looked but I think it's very hard to get players in in January you know top players that are going to improve your side you know can, can you convince teams to <clears throat> to sell your best player in January halfway through a season no and I think now with the, with the game going the way it is you know so many t- teams now, especially in the Premier League and next year's TV deal everybody's cash rich everyone's got so much money that they don't really need to sell so if you are going to buy players you, you've got to pay you know through the roof for them are you cash rich? No. Julian? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think Leicester with, with Amate, who looked like a quite good midfielder from, from Copenhagen, and Gray as well, who's a very exciting prospect from Birmingham. I think that, that, that was okay. They, they tried hard for a striker mm-hmm. as well. And, you know, I think they got um, a lot of uh, offers rejected. Again, you know, in, in, in a lot of uh, clubs. Uh, the latest was M. Nyong, who AC Milan accepted the, the offer from Leicester for 16 million. And, and uh, and the player didn't want to go there, so I think they tried hard, probably harder than Spurs. And I'm a bit surprised that Spurs, especially with Vertonghen's injury as well, they didn't try to um, to just strengthen the squad a bit and and offensively as well. If something happened to Harry Kane, 
I think you know they're they're not going to be in trouble, but it it would be a huge blow. And and just think that if you have the chance of, especially like you said, when they're in such good position in the league, I just thought they would have tried to buy someone, but clearly not. At the bottom of the Premier League, near the bottom, a phobia grabbing to Bournemouth. So that's 16 million in total. Then Norwich got Naismith. They got um, Patrick Bamford in on loan as well. So pleased for Bamford because he looked so good at Middlesbrough last year, and then. It's all got a bit sad for him this year at Palace, hasn't it? And he's a he's a smart player. Yeah, like I say, he did a fantastic season last year, and and he had a nightmare at Crystal Palace. Let, let, let's be honest, I saw him several times for uh, the games he did play. Uh, his body language was poor. His, his work rate was poor. So to get another chance in the Premier League with the club um, will be interesting to see how he does. Really, so I think Naismith's a good signing for uh, for Norwich. Lewis Cobham's an interesting one. He had a good spell, didn't he? At Bournemouth previously he hasn't quite worked out at uh, Norwich. Former teammate of mine at Crystal Palace, but he's going back. Eddie Howe knows him well, and Benikathobi, great chance for him. It's a lot of money spent by Bournemouth, mm. and I think he's good. I think he's the, the, it's a, again, it's a great story. But they've been able to, you know, spend quite a lot of money. And, and all them spending money, and Remy Gard didn't get any of the players that he wanted. Or he wasn't given any money. I mean, Villa are just planning for the championship now. I love him. I love him so much, and he's had such a hard time. He's just why like, has he done this? I mean, surely it's a strange decision, wasn't it? For him to go, yeah. he always wanted to come here, and and I think he knew that it was going to be difficult. I, I just don't think he he thought it would be that hard, but I, he knew it would be difficult. But he just wanted to take the challenge, you know, on the challenge, and and I think he deserved credit for that. And I think he's worked really hard. I think they've improved, you know. I think even in terms of the way they, the organization, and he's I think he's done some very good things. But the squad is limited, and he hasn't been able to to strengthen it because no one wanted to go there. It's as sad as that. Speaking of managers who are finding it hard, Gary Neville is finding it hard, isn't he? Why are you laughing, James? Uh, I saw a clip the other day, Gary Mike Bassett Neville, which was uh, very, uh, in Spanish, used to say it's absolutely hilarious. It's a very tough gig for, for Gary Neville, but he is finding it very hard. I mean, sort of surprised. Imagine he might have picked up one win by now. I think he's he's got into it thinking I will only benefit from this and it'll be a wonderful experience. But and I, I hope I really hope it does work out for him still. But I don't think he's helped himself by saying this is not really where I want to be. And this, if he was a Valencia fan, you wouldn't be too happy with that, would he? I don't think he's going to stay too far past this season. Does he come back to Sky Sports and tell every manager what they're doing wrong now? I think it'll be a little bit harder for him. So I think so far it's been an absolute disaster for him. <laughs> you imagine him with a touchscreen going. Actually, it's harder than you think. <laughs> Every time. Uh, he said in a press conference, he said, look, I've been a journalist, I understand it. And actually, TalkSport yesterday were talking about that, saying, well, he's been a journalist, but not in the way that I had to report on Peter Rizzoldi's lamppost. You know, that's journalism, Gary. And he's never been a manager. How, why did he think that he could do a good job there? I don't understand. I'm not a fan at all. I've never been a big fan of it as a player and as everything he did since. How come he th- the guy thought that he could go to Valencia and that he was a manager? He was never a manager. He's hardly a coach. He coaches England now and again, like for three days, every three months or something like that. It's just crazy. It was crazy to appoint him. It was crazy for him to think that he could go there and do a good job. And I'm actually glad he's not winning anything, any single game, anything. Even Gijón beat them at, you know, at home at the Mestalla because he, did, he doesn't deserve to be there. He shouldn't be there in the first place. Did he wrong you in a past life? No, he life, didn't. I'm just, I'm just so annoyed by that. This is like when uh, uh, Kevin Costner finds out that Christian Slater is, 
Are you his bro- are you his brother he's from just, an illegitimate father? He's just it I helps don't think he deserved that job. Though, and it? I'm glad he's not doing well, that's all. Because the guy's never a manager, that's all. Oliver, any thoughts on Gina? Oli is a big fan though, so he's different. I am a big fan of Gary Neville as, as a person. I like I like his I like his punditry. I've always thought I mean I liked him as a player. I always thought he would he would make a good coach manager. And I still do think that. But I just thought when, when I heard that, I mean a lot of things have come out over the previous couple of years really about him turning down various jobs feeling that no that's not the right job you know good goodish championship jobs and then that one comes up and to me that looked like a you know it looked like a hospital pass I, I could not see it working out I know a lot of people thought oh this is great for England this is great for going on I think you know I, I think it was a, a big risk in terms of his reputation as a manager and I don't think we should judge him as a manager on the basis of what he does in a country where he doesn't speak the language I just think it was just you know, a daft appointment and, and an uncharacteristically daft decision by him to, to go to it, to go for it. And I, I know he will think, well, what's the worst that can happen? It's a great learning experience. But, you know, it doesn't do a great deal for his credibility as, as a manager in, in the long term. He's, he's gone backwards, Ollie, hasn't he? I just don't think it's, it's any kind of place to test him. If you, if you had a, a, a Spanish player, you know, even one with a great reputation who hadn't managed before, who was just sort of parachuted into a, a you know a big yet unstable Premier League club by a, an owner who didn't have great football knowledge yet knew this player through business. Say it was Carlos Puyol, say it was Michel Salgado, somebody like that, and they didn't speak the language. That would just seem ridiculous, wouldn't it? For, for, and and, and I can, it would seem like an incredible gamble and incredibly unlikely to succeed. And if Gary Neville had gone into, I said this um, the other night, but. If you'd gone to Derby County or, or Middlesbrough or one of those stable championship clubs where, where you've got more flexibility, perhaps, you've got more stability, you've got, you're more in your comfort zone and the players are probably going to hang off your every word for the first few weeks. I think that, that you know, maybe we would see a different Gary Neville if, if he was coaching there, but I, I just don't understand really why he went to Valencia. But do, do you think, Ollie, if he, if he goes to a championship side, which would be a fantastic grounding for him and he would know a lot more than, than what he would know at Valencia, it then becomes impossible to get to the very top to become a Manchester United manager one day. If you, if you look at the the people that have played under Bruce, i.e. Mm. Uh, under Alex Ferguson, sorry, like your Steve Bruce, your, your Mark Hughes, it's because the clubs they've managed and they've done OK jobs wherever they go, but... They haven't won something. They haven't. That, that's always going to attract the top top manager and almost block the pathway up. Mm. But then again, you know, serving an apprenticeship as an assistant, as Giggs is doing, is that going to work as the? Well, Ryan, the, Ryan Giggs. The Ryan Giggs' best and... opportunity to get the Manchester United job is to be assistant manager at Manchester United. If Ryan Giggs mm. went to Derby. I think the the chance of him getting the Manchester United job it's one interesting. day has become... It's perception, isn't it? Yeah. Once you're on one level, you're yeah, on one level, whether it's the League Two exactly. level or the League One level, or like we mentioned before, that, that top merry-go-round. The thing about, you know, I think we all wish Gary Neville well, apart from Julien, but if he does <laughs> no, finish well, if he does think, finish with... Don't you set up an appointment? If he does finish with wins, naught, that, there's something <laughs> frankly hilarious about that, isn't there? Um, anybody have anything else to add before we all go home? And you're home already, Oliver, aren't you? <laughs> How's the? Uh, have you finished your uh, magic potion? It was very good. Yeah, no, Mrs. K's done a good job. Is Mrs. K around to tell us what's in it or not? No, 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 no. She's gone off to work now. She's gone to work. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for your time, Mommy. I hope you get better. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, James, thanks very much. Pleasure. Julien, 
I love you. Merci, I love you too, Max. That's it. Uh, thanks to all the people on the panel today. Uh, pre- please press the subscribe button. I don't mind because I don't do this very often. Uh, Gab will be back in the hot seat next week. Uh, you can get exclusive football highlights free as part of your subscription. £12 for a 12-week trial. Just search The Times online. Goodbye. Your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.